Welcome back to the Football for 90 podcast. I'm Aaron and I'm your host for today and we're bringing back an old topic that we've seen a lot of change with. It's going to be Barcelona again today. We're going to start by discussing the El Clasico and then get more into Xavi's Barcelona, what we've seen and what we think their prospects are for the rest of the season in the future. I'm joined as usual by Michael if you want to say hi. Hey guys, how are you? Great intro. And then uh, we're also joined by Alex. Alex, say hi to everyone. How's it? Good to be back, as always. <laughs> Alex is waving like this is going to be a video podcast. That's fine. Is it We're going to start with Michael here. Okay. Mike, tell me what you thought of the uh, El Clasico game. Yeah, I mean, going into the game, uh, I was pretty optimistic on Barca's chances. I feel like generally, um, especially since Xavi's joined, I've been pretty optimistic on, on, on Barca because I've been liking a lot of what I've been seeing, um, at least conceptually. Uh, they did win, obviously, and I, I was expecting them to pull out the win, um, but because I, I felt like it was more of a statement for Barca, but I don't think um, I expected it to turn out. I think uh, the unfortunate part of the win was that I felt like it was a lot of Real Zone doing for the margin of victory being so great, yeah. um, which, you know, it is what it is. I just would have loved to have seen it against maybe a, um, a full-fledged like Real Madrid in, in the way they, they usually play and didn't take tweak their squad so much but yeah overall i was uh very impressed at the end of the day though because regardless they still exploited those flaws um you know within yeah. real to and took their chances and they okay. could have had more goals talk to me a little bit more about that so you said barca exploited real madrid's flaws uh give me a flaw that you think real madrid have in their setup and how you think barca exploited it so i think there's a couple of things that come into come to mind w- w- when you talk to me about that in general well, Ancelotti's also uh, known to have said before that like, he cares to play and appease the fans. Um, Real Madrid's at home, and Real Madrid's playing against Barcelona. They're going to want to play a little aggressively. Um, Benzema's not in the squad. I personally think Real's best football does not come when they play like a uh, Barca, City, Liverpool, or they try to like proactively yeah. press aggressively. That being said, I don't think they play an Atletico Madrid sit-back-park-the-bus counter type. But I do think they are somewhere in between the two where they play like a nice organized mid-block structure, suffocate in the middle third, and transition from there with dangerous runners like Vinicius. So Benzema being out the team forced them to change their shape a little more unconventionally. When I was watching the game, I didn't look at the lineups, but I was like trying to take in the shapes without um, you know, having seen the lineups. And I, they had this really weird 4-2-4 structure in defense. It was weird, right? Yeah. There was no... I, I found they were really lacking in last line presence and centrality. Like, a lot of the times, it just felt like they were picking up the ball in transition and actually doing good things in transition. But then they couldn't... They just, like, couldn't pick out a man. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Alex. Um, yeah, what do you think about... Let's talk about Real Madrid's setup a little bit, maybe, and um, and what you think maybe they did wrong. Or, or whether you like that sort of 4-2... Google was calling it a 4-2-4-0 setup. <laughs> so when, I, when I'm, I'm initially watched it, I thought, I thought maybe Rodrigo's going to play a striker. But yeah, it was a 4-2-4. Very weirdly with actually Modric and Cruz being the guys leading the press. It wasn't even like Vinicius and, yeah. and Rodrigo. And that's weird to me as well. Yeah, it was weird. And it didn't work at all. It didn't work at all because... It was basically they had no control right behind and it just played right into Barca, cutting right through them. Um, it's weird though because I really don't know how low Jovic is on in like Carlos' estimates right now, but having watched like the Galatasaray game, I thought 
before we get on to Bars, I'm also very high on them. They have lots of lots of good things, but I think one of the things they really struggle with is when teams go kind of direct to almost a target man. And I think yeah. having Benzema not in the side was almost almost a blessing in disguise and that that's sort of something Jovic is very, very good at, right? Um, and I was very surprised that he didn't start. They had the guys that could have just played right into him and could have given, you know, Barca a little bit more trouble in transition. So I thought that that was, I don't know. I thought at the time, like the way I saw it is just Carlo was trying to do tactics, but he should no longer be trying to do <laughs> tactics. Just he was just trying four, to do tactics. <laughs> just four. Well, three, like three bro, you would see their you, you would see I mean? their first line of pressure be immediately sliced through. Like they would take out four people just from yeah. PK passing out the back or Eric Garcia passing out the back. They would take out all four of their front line, completely. Well, honestly, I I haven't watched that much of Real Madrid this season, but my last watch of them before this was the PSG game, and I found that their block was kind of terrible. Like, they were just... It seemed like a mid-high block, but they were not preventing PSG from playing out of the back, and they also weren't preventing them from playing through the lines, like, in in the final third. So it just felt like they weren't even really doing anything. They They weren't even really there, and they were giving Mbappe, like, loads of space in transition. Which just felt really strange, but um, I wanted I wanted maybe maybe that's a good point to touch on Barca a little bit, where it seemed like um, it seemed like Real were trying to get at them, maybe in in transition situations, but like you said, they didn't really have someone to go long to. I thought personally, Busquets was I mean he's his usual self in possession, but I felt like maybe that could be a sign of weakness for Barca that. He was kind of struggling to track men when Real were getting at them in transition. I found it it was at least three or four times in the first half where he lost men. Mike, what do you think about maybe Barca's midfield and and how they're able to control games out of possession? Yeah, I think part of Busquets's issue, um, well, obviously apart from his physical limitations, but like structurally, why I think that occurs is because, and it's really funny you mentioned this because within the Barca team, one of the themes is that there is constant fluidity, like um they tend to make diamonds in the wide areas both in and out of possession like it's a shape that Xavi uses very often with the winger the one of the eights the one of the fullbacks and 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 Busquets being the six Busquets will come and facilitate as one of that deep that deeper diamond member on both sides he'll be the one consistent and if there's one thing that's consistent is whether they use a 3-2-5 or a 2-3-5 or whatever or even a 3-3-4 in their build-up shape Busquets is always like they'll have sometimes the fullbacks tuck into the midfield or the eights be a part of it or even one of the eights be part of the back line doesn't really matter they have again a lot of rotational outfitted but Busquets is always that central point part of that midfield line almost always it stays that way like it's it's very consistent relative to the other um people rotating and I think like that means that he has to cover a lot of ground at times when they are prone to losing the ball and that's still a problematic in transition for them. That being said, I think um, they've done a lot better at holding possession as a result under Xavi because their structure and, and rotation is really good. Um, so it doesn't happen too often, but for sure I see that as a point of weakness and, and, and Busquets is part if of it. I can that just, being said, I, I don't see that as, I, I don't see it as a structural weakness at all. I mean, he does move from side to side, right? But he's kind of, you know, as a footballer, you have to move, especially as a midfielder. I think it is just a physical limitation you know, right, he's, that's he's what always I'm saying. been slow, and now he's he's very slow. But I don't think it's something structurally actually that's an issue with the system. He kind of works as that reference point 
inside both sort I of I guess structurally because you know, corridors. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think agree. to me, I see it as uh, I see it as kind of a bit of both. Like it feels like to me, it's a mechanism to work around his physicality, yes, but yeah. also it's his it's his sort of like I think people underrate vision a lot as as sure. a midfielder of like being able to see the play in the first phase and position yourself correctly to make things work right. Yes. And that's what Busquets is amazing at, even if he's not so great in defensive transition anymore, right? What you're getting is a guy who has a complete vision of how the ball gets from one side of the pitch to the other on a team-wide basis and knows where he has to place himself to to make that happen. Um, one thing I personally really liked about Barca's performance, and I mean about Barca in general lately, is the I've been sort of... I've been watching United and a lot of other teams that I tend to watch regularly fail at build-up. And I've been trying to see like what types of actions tend to lead to teams being able to get from one side of the pitch to the other. And the thing I loved about Barca that I haven't seen so much with United and other teams is just the recognition of cues of when to hold position and when to show for the ball. Like I found that they were really good at working the ball into midfield. The the wingbacks knew when to show and come for the ball and then play the ball back into midfield. The centerbacks knew when to play line-breaking passes or diagonals. And then when the midfielders picked up the ball with the play ahead of them, the players who were on the last line, they all were looking to see which players have to make runs in behind, which players have to hold position, which players have to drop off. And it meant that you got these plays where it was like center back to midfield, straight to the wing, um, and then you had Dembele isolated 1v1 with the fullback. So... I mean, I personally think that maybe that's where Busquets adds his value, but I just think it's an interesting discussion if you have a midfield of like Busquets, Frankie, and Pedri. Maybe in in a modern football landscape, you want someone who's a little bit more sort of defensive, high volume, imposing type midfielder in there. I don't know. I mean, I would I say mean, that I think I think part of what what you're getting at here is that there's just kind of this like high level innate understanding and and this is what i would really credit xavi with like obviously it's yeah. maybe a little more natural to a team and players of barcelona but like their possession structure but like they have they create so much width and um uh and, and space uh and the other thing is that they at the same time know how to facilitate and 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 support in each of those areas um, and on top of that, I think an, another thing, and this is what's unique to Barca, is that like they have probably the most capable players in the world to do this. Like I don't think you can do this with a lot of other teams, just because. I mean, sometimes you see the plays that Pedri receives the ball in, and someone just shouldn't be able to turn and create create a play or make a play in that space. Like it's just because it's Pedri that that can happen. You know what I mean? Like so, like that's also part of it. But at the same time. Javi knows what he has, and clearly he's taking advantage of that, and that's something we haven't seen. So it's not like it's discrediting it. It's more of like a, hey, I know what my strengths are, and I'm going to fully take advantage of them. You know, and I think that's that kind of Barcelona style that he's reinstilled, even though it's been modernized for sure. It's not the traditional tiki taka. There is some like he uses guys like Adama and Dembele, who I don't think would be considered traditional, um, you know, Barcelona players. But they got some aggressive, like, you know, he really knows how to, like, isolate them and get them going aggressively at these fullbacks. And clearly we see them reaping the benefits of that. Yeah. Um, Alex, talk to me about some individual stands out- standouts. <laughs> Sorry. Who do you think was, who is your man of the match and why? 
Mm, man of the match. I'm actually not too sure. I would say I, I was impressed Your with Your boy Aubameyang, surely. I think Aubameyang was great. I honestly think Ferran was great. Bias. I, I think Busquets was great. Uh, I mean... I mean, over won it, so. <laughs> but yeah, I thought there were, I thought there were a number of really really good performances. I think in the first half, Dembele, Osmane versus, you know, Nacho sometimes Alaba on the left was was really tough for them. So I think there were there were just a ton of really really good performances. I, th- I actually thought Eric Garcia played pretty well. Occasionally he struggled a bit defensively, but I think, not not saying he's man of the match, but for the for all of the for all of the the shit he has to take, I think he had a pretty good game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, personally, I I don't rate Eric Garcia particularly, but wh- I do love line breaking passes, and he's like he has to be one of the best after Daily Blind, where pretty much every opportunity he's just he just breaks the first line with he's really with his passing with left foot and right, and he's so good at it. So and and I thought that was particularly notable in this game. I, I wanted to ask your guys' opinion on on Ferran because I think he's been an interesting talking point. Like, you know, he I was quite, I am still kind of high on him. Not like I think he's going to be this like world class whatever player, but I think uh, there's been some finishing issues recently with him, and it, we even saw it in this game. He probably could have had a hat trick if I'm being honest, and so could Abamyang. Um, but Abamyang at least scored two. But that being said, like. From what you guys have seen, I don't know how much you've been paying attention to Ferran himself. Are you worried? I have an opinion, but I want to hear your guys' thoughts first before I like touch on. Um, I'm gonna actually say we're gonna save that for the second part because I want to talk a little bit about how Barca kind of turned this around a little bit in January with some of their transfer moves. Sure. But I, <laughs> but I, I do like Ferran, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit. I I was gonna just go back to the man of the match point and say that. I wanted to give props to Usman Dembele for that performance because I really like how, I don't know, he's just such a fascinating player to watch at his best. And the way he uses his two-footedness, to me, is is so cool to watch. Like, yeah. I think the first goal comes from him threatening to cut in on his left. And then he uses his left foot to knock the ball down the touchline and then run onto it and cross with his right. Which, yeah. it's just the type of play that you don't, I think having that two-footedness and that level of skill makes it, like, I think very few players in the world can pull that off. So before we finish this section and then maybe we can move on. I also actually forgot to shout out Pedri because I forgot. I've watched, uh, I mean, I've watched two matches this morning on Barca, so I think I kind of forgot who who performed really well, but Pedri was also another one. And I think he's kind of, I mean, he just convinces me that he's going to be the midfielder of his generation every time I watch him. But even that, ge- yeah. that game, just the way he can receive out wide, keeps that control, drifts in, he's amazing. And I think... Bro, I mean, that play to... Yeah, Ferran, I mean... Like, that, that, again, turned in that space and played that ball. Like, that's what I'm talking about. No one else can do that. Like, it's just because he's Pedri. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also his game IQ is just... Like, Absurd. La Masia tends yeah. to produce these players who have high game IQ, but, like... he's. Pedri's off the charts where it's like even even some of his simpler actions like he he'll immediately receive a ball and play a back pass knowing he's already scanned by the time the ball is like played towards him he already knows there's no progressive options on so he's already played the next pass it just makes him look better because I think a lot of I think a lot of really talented young midfielders will try to either be too safe or force the pass and that leads to a lot of bad turnovers or low impact performances but Pedri has such a good awareness of what he can do in every situation that you just always feel like he's making the most of his opportunities on the ball 
Yeah. yeah, I think I think it's also just he he's actually from Las Palmas, so he's not a he's he he as much as he looks at he's not a oh that's a, true yeah he's not a Sorry. La Masia guy um but yeah another thing that I really love about him is just how many touches he can take on the ball very very quickly that just speaks to his supreme technique but as you spoke about it his game IQ just having that kind of technique to be able I think Busquets is similar except maybe you know not as small and nifty um. That he kind of knows exactly when he can slow down the play within just singular movements that can kind of shift his opponent's body weights and then he can kind of scurry through. I mean, that's probably what I love most about him. It's just that ability to to process everything so quickly and have the feet to kind of match that, that he can just move through those little corridors and almost do those little carousels of those wider exchanges. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's genuinely, it's beautiful football. All right. On that note, I'm gonna call. Uh, I'm gonna call time on this section. We'll be back with a broader discussion on Barca, some changes they've made recently, and maybe what we think of their outlook for the rest of the season. Stay tuned, guys. Welcome back to the Football for Ninety podcast. I am once again a resident football hater, Aaron. And today we're going to be talking about Barcelona in more detail. So let's start with, we had an episode on Barcelona back in either November or December, early in Xavi's tenure. Um, I think we discussed uh, some kind of personnel limitations that they had on the side. And I personally think they did a great job of addressing those in January with, uh, with those three signings up front. So uh, let's start with perhaps the most long-term, uh, large-scale signing. Michael, tell me your thoughts about uh, Ferran Torres and, and how you think he changes Barca and how he's performed so far. Yeah, um, I'm quite high on Ferran Torres. Uh, I don't know about like you know how high in the sense of like w- you know what level of like uh, player he'll reach, whether it's like total world class. I- I'm a little skeptical, but. I do think he's quite a good player with a lot of good attributes about him. Um, And I think his start to his tenure at Barcelona has been a little bit interesting because um, when looking at his numbers and originally discussing him, I remember that in the city side, he was not only getting into really good shooting positions, but he would also be pretty consistently performing on par throughout his career with his XG um, in terms of finishing ability, which showed that not only was he someone who got into good positions to score, but he was also capable of scoring them on a consistent basis, at least thus far. That's been, well, that, him getting into good positions has remained constant. He has actually been getting a lot of chances, um, which I'm sure is a big reason. Um, and we had discussed this, a winger with some good box presence being part of, um, Javi's plans seems like a very, um, you know, uh, understandable uh, request and, and and need for the team based on the way they play. And now with Ferran, that's for sure happening and it's for sure benefiting them. But he's been missing quite a few chances. And I think he's been getting a lot of hate as a result of that. Today or or yesterday, I guess he's you know he 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 scored one really good chance, but he also missed like two pretty good chances as well. Um, I'm not too worried about him. Um, I think he does add a lot of value. And there's a reason he's still playing after missing all these chances because his involvement and positioning has been so excellent and he's getting all these chances that it's only a matter of time that he, you know, puts them in on a little bit more consistent basis. Um, but yeah, I think he's a pretty good player and definitely was, um, the unnecessary, uh, added value to the Barcelona side in terms of 
scoring the chances that they create because they do tend to create a lot of different chances yeah i i very much think that i think one of the things i said in detail in the last pod was especially when ansufati isn't fit they really tend to struggle uh to have players who are actually getting on the end of chances it tends to be players like memphis gavi pedri frankie all crowding kind of the same areas of the pitch and not consistent like runs beyond and wide of the last line to to actually stretch and trouble the opposition defense and i think they've gone and targeted that directly um Ferran has 0.62 npxg per 90 in his 790s in la liga so far which is really good and if he's underperforming xg to have three goals in 790s and also three assists like i mean <laughs> i think he's in a good place um yeah. I I actually also yeah. do think that'll persist over a large sample regardless of how good he is because Barca just have loads of midfielders who can create and they really do take games to teams and the fact that he's a willing runner beyond and uh and wide of the last line means that he's going to be one of their main recipients of chances. Um Yeah, he's, and he's quite up a strong. Bit. Like he 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 can he can work into yeah, he can work into central spaces and hold his own pretty yeah, well he's like, like he was quite good, but quite he wasn't regular minutes at City good, which is pretty much a world class standard. And I think his kind of mechanism yeah. to get around that. I also think yeah, maybe his but his mechanism to get around that was to bulk up and then get some minutes at number nine, which is sort of their least uh their least yeah deep position in their squad. Yeah. So then Used he kind of yeah. bulked up a little bit and became more of like a sort of straight up goal scorer and i think it kind of suits him i don't think he's like a high-end playmaker anyways but i i want to move to i want to move to Aubameyang, and i want to move to resident uh arsenal (laughs) arsenal enthusiast alex i'm not sure how you can be so enthusiastic about arsenal (laughs) i'm kidding but um yeah talk to me about Aubameyang. um i know he was really struggling both on and off the pitch towards the end of his time at arsenal but i also think that in light of trying to get players who occupy the last line in light of uh, Fatih's injury issues. Aubameyang's been a pretty good stopgap addition. What do you think? Um, yeah, so, I mean, first of all, I think I think it was a good move for Arsenal, Oba and Barca. Maybe least Arsenal because we're still paying how much of his wages. But, but, yeah, I mean, he wasn't really doing a lot that he seems to be doing now. And I think part of it is that they're is a little bit more space created for him where, you know, at Arsenal, you actually, we need the central striker kind of being able to to be the focal point who can put the ball out into wide areas. At Barca, you've got the wide areas being worked so they can open up, up space for either Orba to drop or to go in behind or Frankie to go to go in behind, kind of get those runs going, as well as um, Ferran, who we were speaking about, just to make those inroads. So I think that's suiting him better. I think when we spoke about this, whatever, back in December or so, and we spoke about who, or even November, I think it was, who, who's the next striker going to be, or how well does Memphis fit? I remember that there was, I don't think any of us would have really had, we all agreed sort of, you need another sort of Ansu Fati sort of scoring out let out wide, but I don't think any of us really had Oba in mind as a, as a centre forward to kind of, to work that, right? So I think it, it's been an interesting... It's been an interesting signing. What I have noticed, though, and I think is what's the difference between him and Memphis, is that both players are very happy to drop. And in the Barca side, you need to drop into the midfield. The difference is that Memphis kind of comes in and he wants to control control play a bit. 
whereas they've they've been doing these rotations out wide, then they get they get Orba to kind of drop in, so that Pedri or Frankie or whoever can kind of generally not want to, the two of them actually now that I think of it, because they're usually the ones who are trying to make runs in behind, right? So let's say it'll be Busquets, it will be sometimes Frankie and and um, Pedri from the middle, sort of third. What you get is you get them dropping in and immediately putting a wall pass back to another player, generally Busquets. And then what you've got is you've got the eights, especially Frankie, who I think is... People are underrating the sort of role he's actually playing in this team, just because he's not as ball dominant as the others now. He controls the tempo, he, pull, he, pull play, he pulls players, he has that kind of beautiful ability to A, arrive just when defenders aren't expecting it, or to other times drag defenders away. Um, I actually would disagree in saying that he controls tempo. Yeah, I would sorry, say he, he actually injects. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's the wrong one. Controls tempo is more, we'll like say, Busquets, Busquets and Pedri, right? But I mean, yeah, in terms of of adding tempo is probably what I wanted to say into that final third, right? With his with his runs. Yeah, so, that makes sense. So yeah, and I think the difference is Memphis would get the ball, he, he'd sit it on it a bit more, and he also doesn't make that wall pass and then immediately run back. He'll, he'll sort of loaf around having dropped deep for a bit too long. So I think, obviously it's something I think Xavi really tried to get Memphis to do, never really felt natural in his game. Um, but it's interesting that you need a player who can drop deep and connect with other players, but it's actually the less technically proficient one, but it's just the guy who knows when to drop in, when to hit those lines, when to go back. Yeah. And yeah, it's changed. It's almost he like I was actually impressed me in that fits way, to be what fair. they need as opposed to being an extremely yeah. high end player who doesn't really fit what they need exactly. because I think he allows I, I think what you're sort of alluding to and I agree is that he allows players like Frankie and Pedri to play their best game whereas a player like Memphis is trying to play something slightly more similar to what they would do um, I I mean I, I would I would love to keep talking about Abba but I, I also want to talk about my personal favorite um, culture signing which is Adama Traore. <laughs> Um, I love how his numbers are actually not that different to Wolves uh, on the on the on the like surface of things. Similar sort of underlying numbers, similar involvement, but it just feels like he has a more well-defined role in this team that kind of fits to his strengths. Mike, what do you think about how Xavi's kind of worked around getting Adama and his weaknesses and incredible strengths into the side? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting point that you mentioned. And and I think there's quite a broader theme, I guess, that goes in hand with um, why Adama... It, it's weird because I think Dembele can do a lot of the... Like, when I look at Adama, the things that's excellent about him is obviously how good he is able to, like, drive with that ball. But it's not like Dembele's not, not good at driving with the ball as well. It's, like, a different option they have. And I think... So... Barca have a propensity to keep wingers high and wide. And that's like part of their general build-up shape. They will always have their wingers really high and wide. And on top of that, they when they make like diamonds, let's say, to 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 uh, have combos on one side uh, um, in, in their build-up play or, or trying to bake, break down the opposition, they still keep one winger on the other side to be able to switch the ball to really high and wide. There's two things that go into that. The other side's winger is... On the, on, the, on the opposite flank is not only like high and wide, it's, yeah. he's literally as high and wide as you could possibly get. It doesn't even tuck in just a little bit to because, and the reason that is, is for two reasons that I believe. 
Firstly, Barcelona is really good at moving, really quick at moving the ball. So it doesn't matter too much because although they are all the way stretching to the absolute limit of the other side um, that of the ball, they can either carry sl- slash pass slash a combination of two to get that ball very quickly out. Secondly, they want as much space between that isolated winger, such as someone like Usman Dembele or Adama Traore. They want as much space between them and the opposition block because once you give them any space to receive and start going in, these guys are monsters yeah. at running into that space and driving in against the opposition block. And that's what you want. That's what I'm talking about where Javi has the ability. Javi has noticed like the strengths of these players and has fully well, let's talk about that a little bit more. And that's then. like, Let, or, you know, no, maybe no, let's talk about that a little bit more. Cause I think it's almost like an, uh, having Adama or even in the El Clasico, it was Dembele playing that extremely wide role has sort of facilitated the the three at the back that he likes to create and build up with the right back, as well as... And I think in one game, it was even uh, Danny Alves was playing right back, and he was, like, play, joining the back three and midfield. Three. Well, you know, they put Ronald... It was Arujo. Arujo. They put Arujo there to, to, to try to contain Vinicius, and actually, I don't think it worked. I think Vinicius still had some good chance. Like, obviously, yeah, it was Real I mean, in general, wasn't great. I have to but disagree. Like, Vinicius I thought, 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 thought Arujo Aru- 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 a couple times on skates, no? I'm no, I don't, I don't know. No, no, no. I think he was really good, I, but I don't think he had Vinny regularly. Like, when Vinny did get some chances, Arujo struggled, I, especially in the first half. I like Arujo as a player. I, I think he made it a little bit uncomfortable in, in possession, though, when he was receiving in certain orientations. Like, I think when they have Eric Garcia or even better, yeah, yeah. Jenny Alves or Dest there, they're they're better at doing any of the, like, dropping into the back three, receiving high and wide. Um all the different sort of shapes that you will want a fullback to receive and release in, in, in a build-up shape. Whereas with Araujo, it felt like if he was the one who had to push wide, he got a little bit uncomfortable. And he's a secure passer, but he's not progressive. So it felt like he could have a little, he could be afforded a little bit more space and time on the ball than, say, Pique or, uh, or Eric Garcia. But yeah, I mean, more specifically, maybe about how Adama and, and or Dembele allow them to kind of get Jordi Alba high up the pitch and allow the right back to join maybe the defense in possession uh, a little bit more than you might see with uh, with someone like Dest or Alves at right back um, or, or with a winger who perhaps likes to cut inside more. Yeah, well, I mean, this is kind of part of... Like, it, it's weird because it's not just that the fullback sometimes get the ability to go further up the pitch. Like, it... It changes, right? So depending on the shape, depending on the personnel, sometimes Frankie is a lot of times the eights. So a lot of times what I see is the shape is high and wide wingers, the eights taking those half spaces alongside yeah. with the central focal point of the striker, right? But sometimes depending on Frankie, he a lot of times can even drop in part be part of the back line to help with build up, depending on who they're playing and what their game plan is. Or he could be one of the midfield uh three or or or, or um two, depending on what they do, like um, if they do a three, two, five or two, three, five. And a lot of times, even you can see the fullbacks higher up, but they're higher up part of the midfield line, yeah. actually, and joining in and inverting, especially when Danny Alves is in the time in the, in the side, they do that. So that's what I'm saying. They, they actually do, a, they go through a wide range and set of shapes and, and, and rotations. And every player seems to know every other player's role. And the tactical tweaks come from different kind of game plan ideas, as well as like uh, the personnel I included and in strengths of each player, of which is what's is so interesting about that. I don't think Adam is really going to be... A, well, he's already kind of not a starter for them anymore. I think the fact that Bell is just so much better 
with tight control. Well, is Dembele going to extend? Not yeah. necessarily. Not necessarily. But the thing is, though, I mean, That'd if you watch the Galatasaray match, right? First half, the whole the whole half, um, Adama was sort of attacked on the right. We're breaking down with Adama because he couldn't really. He's very very good when you give him some space to drive and then kind of hit fences, right? I'm not saying I'm not. Saying, he's a very good tool. But I think what's very important with these wider rotations is that the attacking sort of wide players are actually able to control and sort of play in these rotations, which I don't think Adama's as good at under pressure as in terms of just the slick passing and interplay as I think you see from Osmane or even from Ferran or when they play Gavi out wide, of course. So... Yeah, I was going to say, I think when you have a player like Adama that you have to facilitate to receive in certain orientations and perhaps with easy passing options yeah. so he you you kind of force him to make the right decisions, that that adds a limitation to the team inherently and that's just a that's just a player limitation that you're going to have, right? But I I do think it's interesting that they uh that they've managed to create this sort of Almost like he he comes in as like a compliment in in the sense that he's like a complete opposite to what a lot of their players uh what a lot of their other players offer and in that he can provide value. But I think that's enough on Adama and and Dembele. Um, I think from the start, sort of we uh with Xavi's Barca, we saw the signs that their build up was going to improve a lot and it continues to. And I think Mike and I have both touched upon at different points why having they have different build up orientations. And a lot of um, individual player awareness and perhaps coach player awareness of the different cues to drop off and give options on the ball, as well as run in behind or hold position to to stretch the opposition. Um, I want to talk a little bit about out of possession shape and and perhaps uh, how they press um, and then how they block when when the opposition are in possession. Um, I thought their press was a key facet of the of the El Clasico game in particular. They were forcing a lot of errors out of, I think, Militao and Casemiro were the two that I was seeing the most. Um, Alex, what do you think about their press and sort of, um, I think we were talking about how it's slightly more man-oriented maybe than other teams. Uh, what do you think about how that's evolved over time? I think it's it's right from what we saw initially. It's a very man-oriented press. Um, what I think we've seen a little bit differently is that I remember when I spoke initially after the first few matches, I said I actually quite liked their counter press because the man orientation means that their their sort of rest defense was very quick. What I think we've seen is that teams have kind of caught on to them. Um, I'm thinking of the Elf match and the Galatasaray ones where if they build out so out of possession, Barca press in a four two two. A four four two, sorry. Um but I think one of the one of the things we've kind of seen is that then teams have been trying to build out with a three. And then what that pulls is that pulls another Barca midfielder forward, and then it kind of leaves Busquets exposed. So I think that's sort of the next thing that Xavi needs to to work with because weaker teams, as long as they've got someone who they can hit, who can they can break through the press and hit direct, sort of targeting Busquets and skinning Busquets from there. That's sort of a very quick way of of breaking through that barren orientated press, and it's obviously something Xavi wants implemented because you can see just how I think one of the clear things with Xavi is I think for anyone trying to get into tactics watch his matches from from right at the beginning up to now because I think I haven't seen a coach as clear in his principles from 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 joining a club going through I mean even Pep's first season at Man City I remember was it was a lot more muddled in what they were trying to do maybe because it was more complicated 
than what we saw Shavi immediately. There was man-oriented press. There was build-up patterns that we were seeing. Lots of things. So I think that's the next thing Shavi kind of needs to do. Is I think he really does want to stick with this man-orientation. But it does have this sort of thing that teams can break through and actually target Busquets. So maybe that is improving personnel. I'm not so sure. But of course, yeah. It's a good man-oriented high press. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, when you start with a sort of central three of Busquets, Pique, and Eric Garcia, there's going to be some physical limitations there. That they're, And I think they're going to have to address that in the long term, especially if they lose Araujo. If they can keep him, perhaps he'll just li- How likely is others. he to leave? Because I keep hearing I don't know. Man United once. Yeah, I don't know. I have no yeah. clue why. He- <laughs> I, I doubt that. I, I doubt that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I... Yeah, he's a good player. Why would Man I think go the for him? I think the point is that um, that that they're gonna have to kind of come up with long term workarounds for maybe defensive transitions, uh, especially against strong teams. I think a lot of like Liverpool is the best example to me of team of a team that like they can play possession football, but they can also go quite direct and really physically threaten teams um, in the long range. And I think Barca would definitely struggle against that. Um, but I think uh, my last sort of question and how I want to wrap this up is talking about maybe their prospects for the rest of the season and then moving forward. Let's start with the rest of the season. Um, they beat Galatasaray in the Europa League, so they've moved to, I believe, the quarterfinals. Um, do you guys think they're favorites for that now? I think I, I, I would probably 100%. say they're, they're favorites. hundred. I mean, as a Lyon fan, yeah, there were two teams also being the miss. Barca, because I think they are just the best team and they're playing the best football and then West Ham, who we sadly came up against. I do oh, think... West Ham win. And what happens is if West Ham wins, I think it'll be interesting to see because that is a team that Barca could actually struggle with in terms of going direct, having big physical guys. It's not it's not the matchup that... I think they're going to cruise through Frankfurt. I like Frankfurt a lot, but... Yeah, just the way in Frankfurt commits, I think Barca are going to find lots of holes through their defense. Um, but I'll be interested. I'll be interested to see versus West Ham. I- um... I think that's probably going to be the biggest test for them. Uh, let's. I'm assuming that Lyon lose this. Of course, we we hopefully won't. Um, but yeah, that'll be an interesting an interesting op- opponent to kind of see them have to deal with. Yeah, I I agree that I I I think they there's definitely the potential for them to struggle against West Ham. I still think they will beat them yeah, I because agree. I just think they'll be like. If they're on their game, they'll be way too quick for West Ham, I think. Especially after watching them against Spurs. Listen, I don't know what happened to Frankie West Ham and there. Pedri, but like, there was a lot of Frankie space. Frankie and Pedri was... have not seen Declan Rice and Thomas Suchek in their full <laughs> flight yet. Yeah, but I, you know what? I saw, they saw, I saw Sun just driving and completely dusting Rice. And I'm pretty certain that like to be, Adama to be and Demelie could probably to be do fair, the same. I think, I um, think the, it was a bad game for What Rice. Was it full, full extra time almost? No, it was a bad. It was a bad game. For um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think I think Barca will win, but I think they are the ones I am most interested in seeing them go against West Ham. It's just an interesting sort of team that could challenge them from a tactical perspective. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I watch a lot of West Ham. I think on that point, there I, I was is... going to say I watch a lot of West Ham, and I, I would say their biggest issue is how reliant they are on Antonio up front. Like he's a big source of playmaking, build up, like everything for them. And uh, he's not, he doesn't have the best fitness record. So if, uh, if, if he's struggling for fitness, they're going to, they're going to probably, their entire season will grind to a halt. But right now it looks like they're going to do well in Europe this season and they have Europe for next season. Um, On Barca, 
it looks like they have top four in, in La Liga. It looks like they're going to probably finish in the top four, I would say. Any disagreements there? I. So, so I mean, I want to talk a little bit. Like, I, I mean, I think no. I think Bar- yeah, Barca's pretty set in stone for, for um, top four. I think it's pretty clear. Uh, but, like, one of the things I kind of want to touch on real quick briefly um, is what you had mentioned a little bit. Like, a team like Liverpool, for example. Like, uh, like my expectations for them... And what I would like to see them uh, tested against uh, real quick is the is a team like Liverpool. I want to see them come ag- come up against like a high octane, very structured press, and see how they f- fare against a team like that in possession. Because I think that'll really test the limits of their capabilities in possession. And West Ham's a good example of some like a, a defensive physical structure. But one team that I would like to see is Chelsea. Um, Chelsea, a fully healthy Chelsea. Because I want to see Chelsea when they play against a, similar as they did last season to a team like City, where they play their pragmatic style uh, as a robust defensive unit. I that Galatasaray game showed me that they still have the propensity to struggle sometimes against deeper blocks, and if you do it right, they might not have the answers for them all right away. So I wanted to see at, at the highest level how capable they are of of generating answers for teams like that. And I think Chelsea I think could Chelsea, be a really good matchup. I want to see how they deal with teams that, that go wide um, and deep. I, I understand. But <laughs> Oh my No, it's because it's because they still have the they still have those issues in transition, which is probably the main thing that sticks out that we see defensively. I think that's the biggest area that can for sure improve. But I just mean offensively, like I want to yeah. test the limits of like what they can because they're obviously scoring goals left, right, and center. Now, but like I don't think they've been really tested against a high level either press or defensive yeah, I structure mean, yet. And I thought Real could have been that maybe with the with with Benzema if he was on the team and they were playing on their A game. But I think clearly teams that, that deny happen, space so. in the final third and are really good in transition are the most likely to give them problems. I don't really see them having huge issues playing yeah. out of a press. Um, I mean, yeah, me neither. I, a I lot think of teams. Be good at the, any team I don't can know, have dude. issues playing out if of If it's press. Liverpool or City, a lot but, of teams will but struggle. I, think, yeah. I, think I don't be, see them yeah. struggling more than other teams. Yeah, I think they'll be they'll struggle less in those in those situations. Sure. I mean, yeah, I sure. think they'd want to play other teams. Sure, yeah. I just want to see how good because they seem like they don't struggle at all right now. Next season will probably be the first time we see that as long as they finish in the top four or win the Europa League. But yeah, okay. Moving forward, that's my last question uh next season um, <laughs> give me give me like one thing They're you want to see from barca next season that you're not seeing now i want to see them win the la liga next season That's <laughs> okay fair enough um alex i'm not i'm quite enjoying seeing where they where they're going i think i'm very interested to see with their with their recruits who they bring in i mean they've been linked with cassie yes sorry so i don't really i don't see where he fits in so well, I don't then. get it either. I don't like. That. Yeah, sure. Many would have been a, yeah. would have been a fun one. I, like I think um, potentially. He's so like not really good. Imagine yes. them replacing Busquets with Chuameni. I I can't imagine it. Even though well, I think it, it, be it would have movie. to it would have to change. Listen, it would listen, have to listen. change. But I think the the nature of it is you're not going to get another Busquets. You need to you you need to you need to kind of have him as an option and someone who's different. I can't think of anyone who can come in. What Declan Rice. Come in. <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on. Nico Gonzalez could no. potentially down the line. I've talked about this with Kate as well. Nico like I think Frankie Nico Pivot. Gonzalez could potentially. No, no, Nico. Nico can fill the pyramid. No, I, like I mean, Nico has a lot of the tools. I just think he. I don't know if he's gonna That's get there. I like not. Nico. No, I like Nico a lot. He's not gonna get. He's not. He's not you don't gonna think so? Gets. 
You don't think he'll ever get there? No, sure. I don't think, I don't think he'll get... be a single pivot. Well, I don't six. think anyone will be Busquets, but he'll be a like he he's he's way more physically capable than Busquets too. I don't think he'll be literally Busquets, but I think he has a lot of a lot of things that he could make own where they can kind of uh, evolve his role as the sixth. Do you think he's good enough to be to replace Busquets next season? So. So not right now. No, no, not right now. Not right now. Like uh, he has the tools, though. He has the tools, though. If they, if they keep, I know. it's dude, quite like a 20. style departure. He's like twenty. Though. If I they keep developing okay. him, we... six is one of the most intelligent yeah, positions I mean, we need yeah, nowadays. And I also think, like, though, I think over but I think time, Nico's quite a, uh, a movement fluid player. Like I don't know if he's best suited to like being pegged I'm, to one position. I'm I think you'd have to go to like a double pivot. He's not ready for next season. So that's why I want to. Yeah, this is we're, uh, we're, next we're, we're season. You're right. Yeah, next season. What do we right, expect sure, next yeah. season? The other thing, the All other right. person. I didn't know you were Barca talking about replacing. No, 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 are no, we no, replacing Busquets no, no, no. next season? They need We've to... decided it's done. That would be they're fun. They're getting camera to play uh, the Busquets role. Speaking of free, speaking of free signings, they're actually getting um, Masrai, and that'll be that'll be fun. I'm Spotify. Gonna, I'm gonna yeah. enjoy seeing what they do with Masrai. So yeah, um, I like the Spotify deal more than yeah. Mazraoui because I want Mazraoui <laughs> at United. He's not um, very on that pizza. note. I think. Wait, so they took Dest okay. and now they're taking uh, Mazraoui as well. Take Dest on apparently. That's what the that's what the birds are saying. But yeah, oh, wow. we gotta we gotta wrap up. So, I mean, hopefully they don't sign Mazraoui. Um, I think hopefully we're all do. interested to see how how Xavi does with Barca in the future. Um, I want to thank you guys for joining, Mike. Hope you have a good one today. Alex, have a great day. Yep. Thank you. Thanks, guys. <laughs> uh, please make sure to subscribe and follow Football for 90 on all platforms. I think Twitter is the best if you want to get updates on pretty much every podcasting platform we post from. We run content on YouTube as well. Um, it's all really good. We're trying to pick it up this year and, and put out as much content as possible for you guys. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great week.